0: From the -the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, RoadBikeRider.com radio, I'm George Thomas. Going the distance with Coach John Hughes, part two of our heat discussion.
1: Quite happy to be here, George. We're going to talk about fluids today. I just got a weather alert on my phone from the National Weather Service. Flood watch is now out from noon until midnight for Boulder County. So we're expecting some very heavy hydration and concentrated thunderstorms, which is not the kind of hydration you want
0: after losing our basement twice to flooding i really am not excited about this one
1: yeah we didn't get flooded out we live on top of a ridge and water runs downhill so it was not an issue except our road was flooded out so we were stranded or had some time off the grid as i refer to think about it for about four days
0: yeah i live about halfway down the ridge and the water ran downhill right into the basement yeah
1: yeah that, that, that's not so good so last week we talked about how to prepare and ride in the heat, whether you're training uh, you know, on hot days or doing an event on hot day, doing an event on hot days. And today, what we want to talk about is hydration and electrolytes. And then next week we'll talk about cramping, uh, which can be, mo- which is more of a problem in hot conditions. So let's start with just a little review, George. Uh, last week I made the point that most of the heat when you're riding is generated by your relatively inefficient engine your body. That's where the primary heat comes from. And you do get some from hot air, certainly. And you do get some from the sun, but mostly it's, it's what you're generating. And that's why hydration is so important. Think of it like your car engine. Uh, you and I live in Colorado, and so we've got long extended climbs. And if you push your car really hard up the climb, your uh, temperature thermometer and it's going to start to rise. And the way your car deals with that is it's got a radiator and it's circulating cool fluid. And then that is uh, producing heat that is then dissipated by the radiator, which then circulates the fluid back through the engine. And your body's the same way. Your blood is circulating to your core, coming out to the skin. Heat is released back to your core, out to the skin. Now, have you ever had your radiator... uh, Get really low on fluid. You ever blowing the radiator cap off?
0: Never that bad, but I have had it get kind of smoky. Yeah. Older car.
1: Right. right. I actually had it run pretty low on fluid, and I had to stop at a gas station and buy some. So I had to rehydrate my car. And it's the same issue if you're out riding. If you get too low on fluid, you're not going to cool down effectively. So... How can you gauge how much fluid you need?
0: And what should that fluid be? I mean, should it always just be straight water? I mean, here we are at Scratch Labs. I do enjoy their <laughs> hydration products. First of all, I wouldn't drink radiator fluid, obviously. Okay.
1: Um, <clears throat> any of the hydration beverages, Scratch, other people, are formulated to make them taste better. You absorb it a little faster with a little glucose, a little sugar in it, kind of doesn't matter oh, you do. which form it is, yeah. And some electrolytes which help to restore what you're losing, but never enough. Uh, let, let, let's talk about what sweat is composed of. A, a liter of sweat, a quart, roughly on average 800 milligrams of sodium. Could vary, could be 500, could be 1,000 milligrams. Now, the recommended daily allowance of sodium is only 2,300 milligrams, so in three hours you could sweat out all the sodium you're supposed to have consumed. So sodium's an issue. Potassium, obviously we're supposed to eat bananas to deal with it, I've been taught that for years. Well, potassium a liter of sweat has a little over 100 milligrams of potassium. In a normal, healthy diet, you're eating 4,700 milligrams of potassium, potassium. a day. potassium. Wow. Okay, so you eat a crappy diet. It's only half of that. 2,000-plus milligrams. That's still enough to take care of 20 quarts of sweat. Potassium is not really a big issue. Calcium, same thing. 40 milligrams is what a liter will, will include. You probably I mean, you should be eating about a thousand milligrams a day. Calcium is really important for strong bones, and as you get to our age, more calcium. Magnesium, same sort of thing. A liter of sweat, twenty milligrams of magnesium. And for men it's recommended about four hundred milligrams a day. For women about three hundred milligrams a day. So the key electrolyte is sodium.
0: Now interesting. I have recently was doing some Testing and uh, the physician said, "You know, you, you don't like to hydrate, and because you got to pee so much, and so I've been drinking water with a tablespoon of sea salt in it. Good boy, and I actually enjoy it. And it's not cold; it's very much lukewarm. A tablespoon of sea salt. they are definitely recommended brands, and that's what I've been drinking at the house.
1: When I grew up in Washington State." It gets really hot in Washington State, western Washington. I mean, it might get up to 70 on a really hot day. Just terrible. And had a great scoutmaster. Mr. Ritchie had climbed Mount Rainier eight times. He was really into mountains. So we we did one of the big cascade uh, volcanoes every spring. And remember what I said about internally generated heat, right? Mm -hmm. You're going along. It's below freezing. But you're climbing for six, eight hours. And you're not sweating heavily, but you are sweating to dissipate the heat you're generating. You could carry enough fluid, but you'd probably be so overburdened you would never get to the top. So we'd carry a couple of quarts. That's what we'd carry. And we'd get back down to camp, and Mr. Ritchie would say to it, all right, each of you guys in the troop, pull out your quart water bottle. Here, fill it up. we got some more water here. All right, dump two tablespoons of salt in there. Mix it around really good. Now give me your other water bottle. Fill that with water. And we drink the first one. It tasted terrible, but it got the sodium in there. And we take the second water bottle. Plain water is a chaser. So the key ingredient is sodium. Mixing a teaspoon, tablespoon in, great way to do it. Chug it down. Follow it with something to clean your palate. But sodium is the big one. That, that's why for my clients, I recommend get salt tablets. Go to the pharmacy and get salt tablets. That's what you really need. Or pretzels. Or dill pickles or go to Subway or some other sandwich shop and get a big uh, deli sandwich of turkey, ham, beef. They've all got enormous amounts of sodium in them. Bacon. I bacon. I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't recommend those as part
0: of a, a regular diet,
1: but while you're, when you need sodium, yeah, interesting oh, example. You know,
0: I love uh, sea salt and vinegar Pringles, uh, barbecue potato chips. When it's out in the desert, I just crave that stuff.
1: Listen to your cravings. That's good. What I recommend is instead of the potato chips, try pretzels. Lower fat. Mm -hmm. Same sodium. V8. V8 is a great one. On RAM, we used to have what they called salt parties. They give me two salt tablets and a big V8 to drink. And then they leave me alone for a couple of hours. Tomato juice doesn't have to be V eight to brand. Tomato juice very high in sodium. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, So I mean, any any of those high sodium dill pickles, another great one, uh, is is a good way to get the salt you need.
0: Yeah, we actually took a jar of pickles on raw this year, and I was drinking out of. <laughs> I, I ate the pickles, but I was also just drinking the juice out of
1: the jar. Pick, pickle pickle juice is another good source. <laughs> now, some now, people like to use supplements. And the only thing I would suggest on supplements is look at them. Do they have a high amount of sodium? And if they do, they're good. And if they have a low amount of sodium, go buy some salt taps. And, and for the money you're saving, send a check to George and me. We now, need to buy our salt taps and our Pringles.
0: This was actually interesting because my crew chief said, I want you to have some cooling food. And he gave me raw cucumber, which was great.
1: Absolutely very tasty. And what would be even better would be cucumber slices with salt on them.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Watermelon slices with salt on it.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the things that I like is my own homemade electrolyte drink, rehydration drink. Um, We've interviewed Elizabeth Wick several times over the years, and she swears by this. She set records at Calvin's 12-hour and the National 24-hour. And it's pretty simple. I'll give you the recipe. I'll do it slowly so people can write it down. Start out with a third of a cup of orange juice. I like the natural stuff, but you can do it from concentrate. kind of doesn't matter. Put in 12 teaspoons of sugar. You can use glucose. You can use sucrose. You can use maltodextrin. But 12 uh, teaspoons of sugar. And then add a quarter teaspoon of salt. And then add enough water to make a quart. And you've got an electrolyte drink that meets the American College of Sports Medicine requirements, which none of the commercial ones do. They may meet it on one, but not on all of them. What they recommend is 12 to 13 ounces of carbohydrates, 50 to 55 calories per eight fluid ounces, about 150 milligrams of sodium. It provides that. And 35 to 45 milligrams of potassium. Orange juice is really high in potassium. And I just got an email from somebody, one of the road bike rider listeners, saying, suppose I want to use more orange juice. Is that okay? I said, sure. Use less sugar. Just Mm -hmm. go for the Mm -hmm. proportions. And beware, orange juice is acidic. can cause upset stomach. And it's fructose, which may be harder to digest. Now, way back in the ancient 70s, before you were even born, George, I'm sure, I started doing rides, and and I knew that plain water wasn't cutting it, and I needed calories. So that was back when you could buy the small cans of orange juice. I remember those, too. You you do remember those, yeah. And I did a ride that I loved, the Mount Hamilton Classic, and they wouldn't provide any food at rest stops, but they'd take drop bags. So I'd send one of those little things in my drop bag to each stop, and I'd pour half of one into one bottle and half of it in the other bottle, and I'd add water, and i have my ready-to-go homemade drink. I didn't know enough back then to add sugar and sodium, but it was a start.
0: Now, you had one of those small cans out in your drop bag. How do you know how much you should drink?
1: Let's start out. Remember what I talked about is you want to cool internally, so you're sweating. Let's talk about what what variables go into how much you sweat. First thing, obviously, is the ambient temperature. Hotter it is, the more you're going to sweat. Second thing is how humid it is. John Marsh down there in Atlanta runs road rider very very well. High humid, high humidity where he rides. Sweat doesn't evaporate as much when it's really humid, so in fact you're going to sweat more to try to get the cooling out there. Intensity: How hard you're riding. Heat's generated internally, right? Harder you ride, more you're going to sweat. That's pretty obvious. Physical size: Bigger you are, the more you're going to sweat. Gender: Women are smaller, and they have a lower metabolic rate, so they're producing less heat, and it's easier for them to dissipate it. Fluid balance: You get dehydrated, your body's going to say, "I'm dehydrated. I can't sweat as much," so your sweat rate's going to fall. Clothing: Are you wearing clothing? that sweat can go through really easily or not. One of the things that's a big rage is wear a do-rag or something to cover your head, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I often ride wearing a cycling cap under my helmet because I want to protect my scalp and not put sunscreen on it because I don't want the sunscreen to run into my eyes when I sweat.
1: And you get be my age and you kind of get a bald spot up there. Oh,
0: I've got a big bald spot. Yeah. So
1: wearing a hat, wearing head covering on... Reasonable days is okay, but I also carry a bandana with me so that when it starts to get really hot, I can tie it around my head uh, to keep the sweat from running in my eyes, and I don't wear anything on top of my head. The point is, you, you want to wear things that will allow sweat to pass easily or nothing at all. Now, modern helmets, of course, some people take them off when it's hot not really an issue with them. They're so well designed that you're getting plenty of ventilation. So, so those are all the factors that go into how much you do or don't sweat. So how much do you need? Well the first way is calculate your sweat rate which is really easy to do at home. Start out fully hydrated. That means that you know after breakfast, lunch, whatever you really have to go to the bathroom good clear stream. Wear yourself beforehand. Write it down. After you finish the ride, towel off all that sweat and weigh yourself again. Now for every pound you've lost, you've sweated out two cups of fluid. Two cups is 16 16 fluid ounces of fluid. Or if you do it in metric terms, for every kilo you've lost, you've sweated out a liter of fluid. So add what you lost in fluid, what you lost in weight, to what you drank in fluid ounces and divide by the number of hours the time you're on the bike. So that's your hourly sweat rate and as I described above, sweat rate varies by conditions. Now it's interesting what the pros do. They race really hard, they get dehydrated and they still sprint really fast and often in pro races there's a restriction. You can't get a feed, you can't get a bottle after or you know so many kilometers before the finish.
0: I remember Mont Ventoux a couple of years ago, there were no feeds allowed. And I mean, yeah, that was, uh, I thought, that's crazy.
1: A little crazy, but they raced really well. I mean, there was a cyclocross race, and unfortunately, I can't remember which one it was. It was so hot, and there were no feeds allowed in the hour that they changed the rules to allow people. What the pros do, they clearly get dehydrated. They're weighed before, each pro is weighed before the start of the race, each pro is weighed after the race and for every liter of fluid they lost, they drink 1.5 times that. So if somebody's lost 3 kilos, that's 3 liters, they'd be drinking 4.5 liters in the bus before they get to the hotel. Not all at once, but they drink it down. So the first way to think about it is what's your sweat rate? The second way to think about it is the risk of hyponatremia, which is low blood sodium, which can be fatal. Cause your brain to swell, your skull doesn't swell, The pressure can kill you. And so you want to avoid hyponatremia. And and that typically happens to somebody who are drinking on a schedule. I figured out what my sweat rate is, and by God, I'm not going to get in trouble, so I'm going to drink more than that. And I'm going to drink it every hour, no matter how I feel. And then you start to swell around your ankles, around your socks, around your uh, gloves. If you're wearing a ring, swells around that. All that swelling is a sign that you're accumulating fluid, lower, which is lowering your blood. it's diluting your blood, lower blood sodium. So you want to stop drinking. So that's the second way is to avoid hyponatremia. I've talked about how some dehydration is okay, and what the experts are recommending now is drink enough to satisfy your thirst, but don't force yourself to drink. That's plenty. And if you're pretty thirsty, you need to be drinking more. Now one other factor, we talked about electrolytes, and people's sweat concentration varies. So if your jersey ends up you know, covered with salt, that's a clear sign that you're sweating out more sodium than average. So you need to be uh, eating more salt, more Pringles, more salt tabs, all those things. So it's of not
0: necessarily that you've eaten too much salt. That's just something you do. You sweat out more salt.
1: It, I mean, the more salt you eat, the more your body, your body can say, okay, I don't need quite this much. I'll sweat more out. But pretty typically, it's that your sweat is simply saltier.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've definitely had days where it's like little granules of salt are in my eyelids. and <laughs> Sure. Yeah. yeah. On, on your forehead, it stings your eyes, all that kind of stuff. So
1: more sodium would be good. I, I would try more sodium. And if you're still having lots of salt accumulating, then you may, in fact, be having too much sodium.
0: All right. Well, these are. Uh, this is part two of our three-part series on heat. Uh, are there any articles that deal with the topics we've talked about today?
1: Two-part article that I wrote on riding in the heat and hydration. It's right here on the Road Bike Rider website. Uh, and then one on cramps, which is what we'll be talking about next week. So look right here on the podcast page. You'll find those articles. There's also more information on my website, uh, coach-hughes.com. Good resources. So I encourage you to learn more about how to ride in the heat so you can have a lot of fun and not get yourself in danger.
0: Well, I look forward to talking with you about cramps next week, John. Yeah,
1: let's try to cramp
0: beforehand so we okay. have some
1: first-hand experience.
0: <laughs> From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, roadbikerider.com radio, I'm George Thomas.